0: and welcome to 7th Level of ArtCast. My name is Jason and I'm here with my co-hosts Jared and Michael. Today we're going to cover the topic of NPC arcs. Let's get into it. Alright, hello everyone. We are back and we're here to talk about sort of an extension on the previous episode. Uh, we're going to call it NPC arcs and uh, we're going to dive a little bit further into the arcs of NPCs by themselves. but don't take my word for it. Here's Jared with the Foundation. NPCs have a life of their own, but a PC sees very limited part of that life. Tracking the life of an NPC gives, a piece, gives the PCs more complete insight into an NPC when they encounter them. It is up to the GM to determine how much of that life is prepared and how much is improvised. However... Having NPC motivations, drives, goals, quirks, backstories, and backgrounds makes creating NPC orcs a great deal easier. As verbatim from Jason's notes. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's alright. Um My notes are solid. To be honest. <laughs> usually I read it five minutes earlier and then rephrase it in my own thing and mash them together to, you know, make it sound. Uh-huh. At least, nice. This time, uh, you passed me the foundation, and I immediately went, panic. That's cool, I could see it on your face, but I was like, I'm going to go ahead and just let him keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Ab. <laughs> oh, how do we want to approach this? Alright, so Michael... um <laughs> He's like, I can see that look on his face. Like, don't you pass it over to me, asshole. Uh, no. okay. I mean, you can pass it to me. So, uh, what we're talking about with NPC arcs is it's going to split us up. I know it will. So, rather than oh, yeah. getting into uh, some topics and then being split up, I'm just going to go ahead and split it from the beginning. We'll each talk about how we approach this subject and um and then we'll kind of go from there but uh i guess really that's how i want to start it is um how each of us address tracking npc arcs does anyone want me to want to go first or should i just jump right into it um i can jump into it if you if you're prepared
1: i feel like Otherwise my good i feel like my host agency has been taken away
0: um jason <laughs> michael has forfeited his turn
1: Oh, okay, okay, all right. No,
0: uh, <laughs> I'll take two. That's fine. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Jared, split it
0: if you want to split the duty. I'd like no, Jared, Jer- go Val. ahead and go first. God damn it. Well, for me, how much, how much I track an NPC really depends on what I have in mind for that NPC. A lot of the times, my NPCs are just literally, Hey, uh, Jim, I want to go talk to this barmaid. And then I have to make up a name, and usually I'll make up one or two quarks, because I love my quarks. Some of them are positive, some of them are negative. Anyways, I have to try and keep track of the name and the quarks. I fail that a lot, because these are throwaway NPCs. (laughs) Usually, or I expect them to be, so when somebody two sessions later asks me for their information again, I usually stumble. However, there are a lot of NPCs that don't appear to be tracked. They resemble the throwaway NPCs quite a bit, but I have actually seeded them. Because if my people are going to a town, I am going to have at least two guards made up. I'm going to have a barkeep made up, a rogue made up a thief made up, uh, maybe a town crier, and these people are actually tracked. There are people I can tap if somebody goes, hey, I want to talk to this random guard in town city. Well, that random guard just happens to be the one I set up earlier. And then from there, I have much more to be involved with, because these ones actually have a lot of more information on them. I still try to keep it light. I usually give them a goal, And a complication or two. And then I also usually have an event that they are going to be tapped for. I usually make up events which are kind of their own NPC in a way. And that event then will tap other uh, pre-made NPCs. Then we have the long-standing or grandstanding ones like the big bad. Like uh, long-known allies or like character backstory NPCs. Um, that last one's actually a bit of a special case, so I'll get back to that. But these grandstanding ones, I have too much information on them usually. I usually know where they are, I usually know what they're doing, I usually know where I want them. I They have purpose, they have measured uh, effect, And so they're always, I'm always aware of them in the background. I try to keep those as few as possible. To go back to how much information I prepare for background NPCs, that varies a lot on the players themselves, because whenever I have background NPCs, I like to give a lot of uh, opportunity for my players to come at me with ideas, with concepts, with uh, quarks, with events, with whatever, and then I take them, and I alter them slightly, and then I hand them back. (laughs) And that way, they're still interesting, they're still fresh, but it's it's always a complex case of how much weight do I put on this NPC, how much weight does the player put on these NPCs, because some players write a background, involve an NPC, and then just never, attract, never uh, try to find that NPC, and it's up to them to do that if they want, or on occasion it's up for me to bring them in if it's appropriate, but you know. Again, special cases. I do this because it's just how I organically grow my NPCs. I, I like to have a huge mix of just improvised, on-the-spot stuff, and then a lot of stuff that I also have really filled out and seeded. So I use a very big, fluctuating mess of them both. And that's interesting to me. It keeps my attention, it keeps me interested in the game more so and focused on these NPCs. So that hopefully, you know, my players are interested and I continue making them and whatnot. Uh, There's still a lot of flaws with this. For example, as I mentioned earlier, I forget and I stumble a lot on NPCs that are Flash created. And on those, I really should write them down or record sessions that I remember them because... It's just, it's bad. So, I really need to improve on remembering and writing things down, as probably everyone, but you know. Otherwise, I think that this method's fairly good. I'm sure the others will poke holes in it, so I'll leave it to them to do it. Um. Yeah, I think yes. Michael wanted to poke holes, so... I, well, he can wait his turn.
1: I was just going to point out that it sounded to me like, without NPCs, Jared would fall asleep in his own game. I wasn't sure if that's what uh, he
0: meant. Actually, yeah, it would really strip a lot of my motivation, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like, my P- I like PCs. I find them interesting to react to and, and, and interact with. But if I can only interact with them through a bag of hit points and a trap, I'm not that interested in the game. It's just who I am.
1: So, so you're just you're just at the table to entertain yourself. I, I understand your motivation. Oh, God, stuff. yes. Yes, I, I, oh, I, it's all well, clear now.
0: I, I've made no claims to entertain anyone but myself. I do know that, like, Jared will try and, I, I think more than most people, I see Jared try and create interactions between the PCs where they're kind of interacting with each other. Um, so I think, like, at least that's got to at least interest you somewhat uh, <laughs> if it's two PCs interacting. I, I love when PCs interact with each other. So much so he can take that a nap, then. Why, no, because that, that's actually why my NPCs will interact with each other, like you're saying. is because I'm trying to demonstrate or attract a player's interest into either fucking with these NPCs, uh, reinforcing them, using them, whatever, or thinking, Hey, those NPCs have a great idea. Hey, buddy, let's go do that. You know? So I try to help guide my players by setting it up. I'm not good at that. Everyone will tell you that I try to do voices on occasion and I fail pretty often. Or I'll say, and instead of actually saying what the character says, I will say, hey, this is the gist of the information I'm giving you. Because I, I fluctuate a lot with how involved I can be with my NPCs, unfortunately. But, you know, that's not the topic. <laughs> to get back on uh, tracking NPCs, the way I track this is usually through... Um, Google Docs, tons and tons of Google Docs. I try to, I try using Walled Anvil when I uh, have time to set everything up and look nice and pretty, but it's usually just loose papers in computer form or actual form, and it's really bad. And I should do better. So,
1: so on the, on the idea of how NPCs come to life in my games and how I would go about tracking them. When I first start looking at a game, I I pull out my OneNote, and I start making pages, and I list out, like, here's where all the NPCs are, and here's the locations, and here are the PCs, and here's possible motivations. And I'll just do different tabs for each one of them. So it makes it a little easier for me to go, okay, let's go look at the NPCs, and I hit that one, and I've got the NPC's name, and I can also break it down even further to where I have, like, these are the NPCs that are part of the Thieves' Guild, and these are NPCs that are part of the Merchants' Guild. And I can divide them up that way, at least to keep track of them. But I think what we're trying to get at is how the all that tracking helps the story so me for a little different for me is that i'm going to uh at the beginning of the session i'll go through my notes that i wrote at the end of the last session about what my npcs at least the major ones what they were doing or what they planned to do during that session it allows me to track and give me an idea of when possibly the PCs could run into them and have interactions. So I think that's kind of what we're trying to start off with. Right.
0: Michael, I have a question for you. Yes. Um. So I know um, from your world of darkness that you have like a set of NPCs that you've been using for quite some time. Like when we came down and sit, when we sat down at the table to play um, um, me and Kit were new to the game, but there were definitely, uh, you know, a whole range of uh, NPCs that you used before. Did you, would you say that you have more material on those ones that you had carried forward as opposed to ones that you had to brand new introduced into the game? Or do you kind of just write out the same amount no matter what?
1: Uh, no, as as the, as I use an NPC, and this happens in a lot of my games, I like to give them and make notes of what they've done during a session. I'll even, uh, in the World of Darkness, every time you interacted with an NPC, I gave them an XP so that um, if I needed to advance some skill, I would actually, based off of their actions in the game, I would advanced them so that they evolved with you and so some of the npcs that you ran into that were very evolved that they had appeared in other games and i knew a lot more about them than say for example bishop was a, a brand new character that i introduced a brand new npc so i didn't have a lot about him as opposed to some of the vampire elders that you would come across i knew a lot about them so I start out with a short paragraph or even just one line. Bishop was one line. He was he was really a throwaway character. I thought I was going to kill off or you were going to kill him off. And he evolved. And I will use him in the next chronicle that I run in the World of Darkness because you and your interaction with him gave him life more than anything that I could have written. So... They evolve with the players. So then my next question
0: is, uh, and this can be for both of you, um, how much material would you write out normally that would tie them to any arcs that you might be running, any major or minor arcs that you might be running initially? Sorry, It varies for me. Like I said, it depends on the goal. I've had major arc villains that were supposed to last the entire arc have a single sentence. That was literally... Um, in fact, uh, you'll know this one. Uh, actually, no, I don't want to say that one. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that that one hasn't seen its way through yet. Uh, anyways... It ha- it starts with a single sentence, and it was supposed to last the entire time, because it wasn't known by the party, and it wasn't meant to be known by the party. It was supposed to act as an outside agent around the party. And so as things happened, I built upon it, like Michael said with Bishop. I've also had minor characters who have had an entire page written out, because they were supposed to be very vital to a scene... And supposed to carry that scene from one end to the other. And then the PCs killed them immediately. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) The planning has never been a great uh, affair. But if you want a medium, I would say never go over six sentences. And never go under uh, four words.
1: Okay. Michael? I think to answer the question from my standpoint, I I guess it depends on how much influence I want them to have in the story. If I need to have some explanation as to why the story is moving forward at the bidding of this NPC, or how they interact with the story, I will give them more depth. Or if i feel like the players are going to interact with this individual more i'll give them more uh, background but i have seen in recent games jared and gary and seth in my l5r game i had a a lot written about the the leader of the town to the point that I had you know, listed out his children, and I had a lot written about uh, his wife and his eldest son. But the uh, younger two siblings of the eldest son, I had very little written about them, other than I kind of knew one sentence about them. And as the story evolved, the three characters I had written the most about kind of fell to the background, and one of the NPCs, became kind of a major NPC because she followed them around after the first chapter, so it's really hard to tell. I I hope that they interact with the ones I put a lot of time into, but sometimes they don't.
0: I wanted to, if it's okay with you, Jason, can I twist this question a bit? Yeah, go ahead. Towards Michael? Uh, Towards either of you, actually, Um, because I just had a thought of We've been talking about how much we write out about their background and stuff, but we've also talked about how often we uh, write down their emotions or write down other things about that. Does your focus ever shift depending on uh, what you want them for? uh, Like, for example, have you ever written out a character that was just based on an emotion instead of having this background and not worried about background until it became relevant or whatnot? Uh, Oh... Wait on mine, Michael. I still got to explain how my process. So, oh yeah, we cut you off on the. You know, it's fine. You don't get a chance.
1: <laughs> uh, to quickly answer that question, um, there was an NPC that I had in the World of Darkness that didn't survive the first chapter. I had listened to tons of information. I spent a lot of time uh, mapping out his motivations and how he interacted with things, but, um he did not survive the first chapter mostly because uh in the first session the players ran across him and got on his trail so i knew he wasn't going to survive but he was supposed to survive at least two chapters but he survived to the end of the first one so
0: that answered my question but sure good information
1: what was your question (laughs) i thought it was about did i miss something did I sleep through a question?
0: Uh, I asked because we were talking a lot about background. If oh! If there was something else you asked, to use you asked,
1: you asked about emotion. That's why that character. Yes. That's yeah, a, he was based off of an emotion that I was trying to get across in the entire Chronicle, which was anger. That's oh. what he was all about, was anger. <laughs> and I wanted him to flow through, but they killed him before I got to actually.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, that sucks. Yeah.
1: But he died in a very glorious way when Timothy knocked his head off. Um, okay. So um, what I hear uh,
0: is the same thing that when I went back and listened to our game segments podcast uh, or uh, episode is the difference between what I prep and what you guys prep. Because for me – uh, well, I want to take uh, the first example that I heard uh, out of Michael, which made me chuckle. Uh, he was talking about giving an experience point to uh, his uh, NPCs so that they could, you know, gain skills. For me, I feel like my stuff is much more railroady. Uh, in that, like, if I if if I need the NPC to have that power, then I just like give it to him. And if if I need an NPC to be a part of a plotline, then I just make them part of the plotline. I think as far as prep goes, I'm, I think now I do a bit more um, maybe like drives, goals. But ultimately what I learned from running Blades in the Dark for the first time was how little you actually need to make an NPC functional. If you're going off of what the story is providing for you, um, because with with uh, Blades in the Dark, you get um, a name, uh, you know, not even a name. Sorry, not a name. Um, you would get um, what are their goals, um, what do they do, um, and you know what do they look like, and then you might assign two words to them, right, like two words that describe their personality. And that's it, like, or they male, female, or um, uh, ambiguous. So, like, I would go and I would just pull up the random chart at the end of uh, Blazing in the Dark, and I would roll on it, like, five times, and I would have a list of NPCs that I could just bring into the game and just use and throw them in anywhere I needed them to be. I made stories that I had no plan for just based off of what was happening in the game. So I'm going to give an example. Um, there was a guy that you guys, what was the name of your group? Uh, the ones that sold all the stuff. Beg and Sale? Beg and Sale. <laughs> beg so and uh, sale. Beg and Sale uh, went to that casino and they interacted with that guy um, who ended up buying a bunch of stuff for them. Then he got in trouble with the bigger guys that he was part of which was the foundation well i didn't have anything but a few words for that guy and i inserted him but then as you guys started to interact with him i said well who owns this casino you know why why is this guy you know less influential who's his boss um oh uh michael's scanning the room for ghosts i had no plans for these guys to be involved with ghosts but i'm gonna throw one in there so that i can draw michael's ghost interactions into it so now i can use that michael uh plot line that he wants to be a part of and i can use that to make a new uh, plot line that he will fit into so like i said when i ran that game it made me realize how little information i actually need and then as i started to play through stuff i was like well maybe it might help to have some goals and drives Because I came into interactions where I could have used more prep material. So I try now to do a little bit more prepping. But, you know, there have been times when I run games and I have no fucking clue about any of the NPCs that I'm running with. I just kind of use the feedback of the players. What do they want these NPCs to give them? And then let's provide that for them in, you know, some sort of fashion. So, uh, And I've never jared uh gone off of an emotion i don't think i've ever based no never never Hmm. i mean it doesn't have to be emotion by the way that was just the example i used. have you gone uh, off of personality traits um yeah like any anything that wasn't like strictly this event happened in their background and that's why they're important instead you just go uh, this kobold likes shiny things, and the party has shiny things, so it followed them. Yeah, like this guy's grimy, so he's probably a thief of some kind. He wants their money. Uh, like yeah, I'll make I'll draw some quick conclusions sometimes based off of a very slim explanation, but yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. So that is. I had yeah, a quick ahead, question for you when it comes to NPCs. Um. One of the things that I like to use is I always have like a couple that are in the can that are in the back of my head. I always have them there if I want to throw them in so that if I need a quick NPC, I've got a personality that's floating around back there because, well, I'm crazy. But I wanted to know if you had anything like that, like any tool or trick that you would just have some NPC that's ready to go at moment's notice. No, uh, I think no. Uh,
0: I, like I said, I use what my players are giving me to then create NPCs. Uh, here's another example. Um, like when you went to uh, that, you were like, all right. Uh, when you decided, oh, I'm going to go on that paper route and I'm going to see whose houses have the paper stacking up, right? Um, there was one NPC that I ended up pulling in. But it wasn't any NPC that I had created. It was just um something, an interaction that happened when you guys were watching the news for the school, and I was like, oh, I have that one teacher. Let's make her one of the missing people. That was more happenstance, but then I created two more that you could have gone to those instead. So it was basically a you know one in one in three chance that you could have gone to any of those houses. I had no NPCs ready, I had no idea who they were, or what they were doing. Um, I did kind of like bank on you guys going to the one that was like connected to you in some way. So I did have some information on her, but not really. But for the most part, I don't, I really don't have a whole lot of NPCs that are ready to just be like, Oh, I can throw them in when I need to. No, I I need to, I need to. Uh, but no, I don't. <laughs> I thought of a question that isn't a derailment because the reason I didn't ask questions was because all the ones I thought of were derailments. <laughs> However, uh, the reason why I shook my head when you were talking about how you just jump off of the circumstances impulse create characters, because I did, I do say I, I did say I do that, and I try to, but one of the thing reasons why I don't do it more often is because I've noticed that when I do it, I have a pretty regular pattern of characteristics that I go for on a much higher than average base. Do you have anything like that or do you have a way of preventing that when you're in post-creating characters? Or I think for me uh, movies, uh, TV shows, books, and uh, probably at this point other podcasts or actual plays. <laughs> drawing from things that I've seen kind of helps me keep it as varied as I can. Because, yes, there are things that I'm going to use as go-tos. And I think it used to be a lot worse than it is now, um, where it was like, yeah, there's always this standard trope all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, You're going to need someone who heals. Well, I'm going to bring in this fucking cleric that's the same kind of fucking cleric that I've been bringing in for the last five years. Nowadays, I kind of like watch things and I go, oh, that's an interesting characteristic or that person has an aspect about them that I'd love to use in a game. I kind of catalog those things now. So it's like, oh, will this person fit into that situation. Yeah, I can actually think of one. Uh, I thought of it while you were answering your names, your characters, names always have some sort of comedic value to them. <laughs> Either that like or Sopline uh, flats or whatever. Oh
1: <laughs>
0: Supine. Delecto, Pierre. Supine.
1: Or oh man. Best MPC ever. Oh
0: man. Yeah, they they <laughs> do. Oh yeah. Pierre Delecto. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I try and put in as many tried. puns and silly things as possible, yeah. <laughs> supine <laughs> i forgot about supine <laughs> i love supine <laughs> or the or the um the kurt and um uh dave grohl yeah, kurt dave Cobain grohl. and dave grohl and then of course one of those guys dies and i'm like oh of course it's kurt that dies that was awful but yeah i i do play around a lot with silliness you just always try and hide some sort of comedic relief in all your characters, yeah. you haven't noticed. So. Or it has some sort of meaning behind it. Like, when I did my... Um, when we decided that it wasn't going to be a one-shot anymore, and I started my d d campaign, the second one, everything that I started with for that one major arc that I brought them into was um, based off of ending Story. But I didn't want it to be blatantly obvious, so I took all of the names and information from the German version, the book that it started with. so they had these like crazy German names. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, but it had a link. All of that, like you know, my name of the mountains—they're called the Bizarre Mountains. But the, the longer version of it is what the name of those people were that were the Rock people from that uh, movie. So the, from that storyline, so. mm. yeah, mm, okay,
1: clever. I draw a lot from Sorry, movies
0: and shit. No, that's that's
1: yeah. that's what we that's what we all do a little bit. Not well, actually, I do it quite a bit. All of the movies and and books I've ever read i I use the tropes in my stories all the time, so i can't can't say I have an original idea. Yeah, I
0: would like to use them more often. I would like to do what you guys are describing. My memory is shot. I can't do that.
1: <laughs> I'm the
0: old well, sometimes we do it un unconsciously. Oh, yeah. I'll, all the time, I'll make a reference without noticing it, and you two will bring it up, and I'm like, no, that wasn't my intention, yeah. but it works. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to the second part of this question, which we've answered a little bit of this, but let's do the uh, next part of it, which is um, handling interactions with the uh, players and NPCs, um, and kind of how do we change our plot lines that we may have already had for them? And um, how do we handle, you know, just coming up with stuff on the fly and so forth? How do you, oh, that—that my last question, Um, I thought maybe you guys might delve into a little bit. Like, how do you um, handle an NPC that might have a plot line that literally is on the same trajectory as the PCs? So anyway, Jared, I will let you jump in on all of those uh, questions. I'll just go down the list, even though I really want to jump into the last one. We'll that for later. <laughs> when I know an interaction is coming, I just try and sound out a few of the common things. I don't ever try to predict what my PCs want to say. I don't want to be locked into a dialogue. I don't I can't do that. I can't I'm just not capable. So what I do instead is go Okay. If they take angry tones, this is how this person reacts. If they take a uh, more negotiation approach of compromise, this is the general reaction. If it's a mix between the party members who are and multiple uh, party player characters interacting with one person, how do they ping off each other? Another scene that I prepared a lot for and that I really enjoyed was... A group of mercenaries were entrapped in a haunted house. And my PCs uh, ran in there. And they met them, and then they basically decided to stalk them. And then uh, pretty much just attacked them right off the bat. Like, they were trying to be friendly, but they were trying to be aggressively friendly, as, you know, murder hobos are. And they managed to say the correct words that actually attracted the mercenaries' attention, because the mercenaries didn't speak their language. And so, they managed to have one of the characters say something that sounded like their dialect, and it kind of went through a little process. Unfortunately, this process took too long, and people started casting magic, and as you might guess, you know, mercenaries don't like random folks walking up to them and casting magic. And then, you know, eventually one of them decided to do an AoE spell in the middle of a fight that ended up hurting everyone, and then it just deteriorated from that. I really liked this one because I was able to correctly kind of guess the tone the players were going to take, but there were so many variables because it was a full party, I believe it was six people, six players, and it was... Uh, On the mercenary side, I had a single line about every single mercenary, and I believe there were 14 mercenaries? And so each of them actually had a different reaction. Like, one of them was a warlock and was very enraged by the fact that magic was being casted. He didn't show that, though, because he was a bit of a sly fellow. And he was already planning to backstab the party before everything went down. If they had managed to uh, de-escalate and carry forward, I would have had that guy as a background character pretty much trying to sabotage the relationship. And so on and so forth with a number of other guys. That was mainly because that was the focus of the haunted house. The haunted house was just a setting. The big bad and all the other interesting things in there were interesting, but what I really wanted to mess with was the interactions between the party and the player. Or the party and the mercenaries. Preparing for that was... Did I answer that question, or did I just go on a little... No, you went on a rant, but you did answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, As for more unforeseen interactions, I've already kind of covered it. I do flash creation most of the time or if they pull out a NPC that I've kind of detailed minorly, uh, I kind of give stock responses when when available. Like, if they're just asking for directions, I'm not going to have the guard start a fight, usually. There are some exceptions, for example, racist towns, or so on and so forth, or just, hey, you just started a brawl in the middle of the thing, and now you're coming to ask the guard who just broke it up to give you directions, the guy's going to have some hard, hard feelings. For unforeseen unref- interactions, you just try to go with stock when appropriate, and when not, you just... Go by emotion is usually how I do it. How? What's the tone the party's taking? Is this person a service worker who's going to be polite even if they're getting yelled at? Or is it, you know, maybe somebody who's working in a brothel who's going to... Just absolutely try to collect this player as a cu- as a customer, you know? Just go off of the moment. When... What's the next one on here? Uh, how to handle PCs changing the arc of an NPC. This is something I never handle. I just let the PCs ruin the NPCs, and then the NPCs usually turn to revenge characters, or they just turn despondent or whatnot. Usually, uh, again, it follows the emotions and whatnot, but I try to. Uh, I tr- I don't try and fix things. I let the NPC or I let the PCs do what they want to my NPCs, pretty much, and I let them just ping off back and forth in a natural way. Without trying to f- to forcefully change the course of the PC or the NPC. And then the final one, the one that I like.
1: Hey, before you get into that answer, I would like to answer the other three. and let, Okay. I want to come back to that last one because I feel like...
0: I like that idea. I feel
1: like each one of us has got a really good um, idea or how we handle that. So. I knew it was going to be a good one. I like it. Um, just so I, I get along with the uh, questions, the first one is... How do you prepare when you know it's coming, and how do you prepare, you know, if you don't know?
0: That's the first two.
1: Yeah, that's the first two. So um, when I know it's coming, I usually have uh, a few notes on how the interaction will start, and that's it. I don't want to plan anything beyond how it's going to start. I don't want to write out any dialogue. Uh, dialogue written out before you get into that moment sounds Mm. terrible. It just chokes the whole thing away. So if I do anything, it'll be, okay, this is how it starts. This is the mindset of the NPC when the interaction happens. When it comes to unforeseen stuff, that's when um, that part of my brain clicks on and I can do whatever I want And I can interject my ideas into the story through this NPC. And maybe even come up with some very, what I call, iconic moments for the story that the players latch onto. Uh, A lot of the things that I did in my World of Darkness game came from those moments that I wasn't prepared for. Jason going into a bar and threatening uh, a very powerful vampire... Uh, making some very lewd comments to him and almost getting staked. Unprepared. I did not see that one coming. And so when it happened, boom, that just set a whole trajectory of that NPC. So, that answers the third question. How do I handle it? I allow it to happen. I allow Jason to change the, the direction of this character that I had actually set to be kind of a snob, but not to the point that Jason drove him to. And he almost became homicidal because he was enraged by what uh, Jason was throwing at him. Not Jason, but his character. But, you know, the two well, started... Well, to... the and, then, and
0: then I convinced uh, Kit's character, too, that he was an asshole. So then Kit started <laughs> in on it, too. Oh.
1: God. Yeah, so those are those are where I'm at when it comes to uh, NPC and PC interaction. It is my idea that the NPCs are a piece on the board that the players can move about by interacting with them. And they can change their direction. Now, on the reverse of that, NPCs can also change the direction of a PC's behavior, but that's a whole other... Uh, topic entirely.
0: That's that's pretty much a, a single topic right there. Um. So this is funny. Uh, this actually made me think. Um, when Michael was just tr- talking just now, if I know an interaction is coming, this is actually the time that I will prep stuff because I know, hey, they're gonna like if a session ends and they're specifically headed to go to someone. And I'm like, I know this interaction is going to happen. Then I'll write out some stuff. And I'll even go as far as to say, if they do this, then this happens. If they do this, then this happens. The reason – now, I know, I see Jared shaking his head. The reason I do that, though, is to give me jumping off points. I don't expect them to actually do that. It's just like it gives me a mindset of, oh, well, this person thinks like this. So, yes, Jared. Also, I just want to point out earlier, I said, if the tone's angry, the pl- the uh, NPC will respond like this. Yeah. So I literally said the yeah. same thing earlier, yeah. <laughs> but nobody gave me shit. Yeah, it's,
1: it's just like our notes. It's bullet points of thoughts, and it will lead to the next yep. thing. So it's not really a cause and effect. It's just kind of, hey, these are reminders along the way. Right. Well, and yeah. then, you know, well honestly,
0: like I used to write if then and expect it to actually happen that way. Um, You know, maybe in my early days, that was that was it like and then if they did something different, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And I had to learn to improvise. And then, you know, finally, now I'm at the point where it's like, well, yeah, I don't expect them to do any of this. But if they do do that, then I already have an answer for that. And if they do something similar, then I can tweak it a little bit. And if they do something completely off the wall, then I'm like, oh, well. Uh, they were thinking about this, and so they might do something opposite of that. Um, so, uh, but in unforeseen, that's when I straight go to my imagination. And I love it when players talk at the table like, oh, well, I think they're probably going to do this. Like, when they start bantering between each other about what they think about that NPC, then it's like, all right, well, now they're going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I specifically tried to do that with you, by the way, Jason. I've egged some people on knowing that you were going to take their ideas and run with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it it gives me ideas and it helps move things forward and... Um, and I can also ask those kind of things, like, oh, yeah, like, if it's an NPC that's, you know, somehow tied to the player, then I could be like, oh, what would you think they would do in this situation, or so forth? And then, so, that brings us to how I would handle uh, PCs changing an NPC's directory, and I kind of talked about this a little bit already, where I don't have a whole lot of stuff planned, so, usually... Unless I've written out that NPC specifically as having, like, they're tied to this major arc in this way, which I will sometimes, but not very often, in that case, then I'm just going to say, well, that doesn't match with the way the story's going, fuck it, throw it out, I'll use it later, maybe. Um, But if I don't have anything uh, written out, then it's like, I'll just kind of go along with it and... Just see where it takes us. But yeah, that's uh that's my stuff. So Jared, if you want to come back to the question that everybody's chomping on the bit champing on the bit to uh, get out, then uh I mean mine's not gonna be a surprise. The simple answer is uh what do you guys always say about me? Oh fuck, I forgot the word now. I knew it earlier one definition uh no, it's, you know, how I, I'm something to the party. Contrarian? Yeah, contrarian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, contrarian. Yeah, usually my, my default is to make the NPC contrarian to the PC. <laughs> Whether it be, even if they're going to hunt for the same, let's say the PC and the, grou- and the group is a bounty hunter, and they're with the party to bag this specific target. And then the other guy is a detective who's trying to identify their location to pass it on to authorities or a group that can handle it. Even though their goals coincide, I will make the detective become competitive or think that other guy is a false uh, representative, like he's really on the bad guy's side, passing him information, pretending to be a bounty hunter, blah, blah, blah. So I always make it a point of conflict or at least friction. Because... Otherwise, for me, the default is, hey, everything works out happy, the detective joins the party, and then, you know, la la la. Which isn't fun to me, and is usually how I start being a member of the party, and I don't usually like doing that. <laughs> so I try to specifically go for it with conflict or with irritation. I've talked about before how an NPC uh, was following, or how a, an NPC was an outside factor. They were a minor character, or they were a major character with very little knowledge. And I, uh, they were just stalking the party and harassing them. And they actually had a goal which changed multiple times because of the PCs, and eventually changed to align with the PCs. However, even though the goal is the same, and it would be beneficial for them to help the party, they still hold hard feelings, and they're still actively harassing, or trying to, uh, distract or attack the, uh, party in some way. So... That's how I like to go about it. I have some other things on it, but I forgot them. Michael.
1: I've been waiting to answer this question. How do I handle an NPC whose arc coincides with the PC? Um, For the most part, it happens all the time. They have a goal, and they want to try to strive for that goal in the same fashion that the PCs do. Sometimes, the NPCs are allies, and if that happens, I think that they gain a a stronger ally than they would normally come across. Somebody that's motivated to help them out, push the story along, really kind of blossom into an ally that will play out in future chapters of of that game. Um, I've had some... NPCs that uh, appeared in my L5R game that were there that were helpful. Um, They were beneficial to the party because in the beginning they had shared a a common goal. And then I've had NPCs who appeared to be the antagonist to the entire uh, party, but they were going for the same goal. And in the end... They came about and they became allies in an unusual fashion. Uh, I think back to the L5R game, I had created an antagonist situation with the party and some, uh, a, an army of Scorpion Clan. And there was such an antagonism between them that Kit was forced to fight a duel. And in the end, he won the duel. But because of the way he honored the the scorpion that died all of the scorpions saw a great honor in him and they, they changed their path and they started to help the party. And so they became the antagonists that aided them. And the third pattern would be an antagonist that is going for the same treasure or same goal as the PCs, and it's a competition. So I would I would, you know, hey, by the way, he's getting ahead of you. You better do something about this type of situation. So that's that's kind of how I would handle the three different types in my head. Um,
0: Okay. So I'm glad you brought up that last one because I I thought about it in a way, but not exactly that. And I think if it's competitive and they're going for the same thing, I'd like to have a good rival. So that definitely stays in. If a PC is a friendly PC, they have the same goal, dead. Or or removed in some way. Dead, not interested. Some way they are getting removed from that goal. Because I hate tracking NPCs with the party. Absolutely hate it.
1: <laughs> okay, there for a moment, I thought you said you were going to kill the PC. And I was like, wait a second, wait, what? <laughs> Just because they have the same you Kill the whole party. The, yeah, kill the, kill the party. Every single one of them. The NPCs are more important. How boring. dare those players have agency? <laughs>
0: These, this story is about the NPCs, not the PCs. My But problem.
1: you were talking about the NPC dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Death to the
0: NPC. They're, they are going to die. Preferably, they die helping them out to where, like, they were with them for just a little bit of time. They were helping them out, and then death. Just death to that NPC. Uh, <laughs> just enough to get attached. Exactly. So that they have more motivation going forward. But, yeah I don't like to keep them around too long I just don't like to have like I don't like NPCs that hang around in the thing and I have to constantly like grow them and make them better and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 uh, oh you actually grow them oh mine um, <laughs> mine don't usually grow that's what I'm they saying just stay I, the same I mean I might poking. but I don't like to
1: yeah okay so uh, let me get this straight jared likes to have his NPC so he doesn't fall asleep in his game. And you yeah. don't like to grow them. Jason, you don't like to grow them, and you just kill them off. Okay. I mean, unless they only
0: see them every once in a while. If it's an NPC that's like, works at the bar, or helps them occasionally, that's fine.
1: I, they, can, think I, of, I can think of one NPC that you did not kill off that occasionally had the same goals that we did. And that was that freaking kobold that little bastard lived forever. I couldn't kill him. <laughs> couldn't kill him. I wanted to. Couldn't kill him. I it, was waiting for you guys to kill him, though. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't kill him. I wanted to blast him to pieces, but... He was on your list of people to kill, too. He was, and he was going to be the last one I killed, but he would have died. Yeah,
0: like... And then I even like tried to like antagonize you guys with making that like him like selling all that cart full of your own merchandise that you hadn't even created. <laughs> That's when I started appreciating
1: uh, his value. <laughs> <laughs> but you you did a you did some tracking with him though, right? You kind of kept him rolling in the background a little bit, right? No.
0: No. Uh mainly it was like um I wanted him to reoccur, so I was like, oh, what could he be doing in this town? Uh, uh okay. that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't keep track of what he was doing, but I thought, oh man, that'd be hilarious if he comes in, if they come up and they see him selling wares um with their name on it and <laughs> making money that they could be making themselves.
1: Oh, uh, what was that little guy's name? Uh oh, I have I Man, have written down I do never, He's on I he's on one of my cards. Is.
0: Yeah, he had the he was a great character though. He was you know I was trying to break a lot of stereotypes when I created that world, and um he was a cabold that um basically wanted to be accepted by the gnomes because his whole thing was he loved like jokes and goofs and so he had his own joke shop, and so like, he went to a gnome city and like, set up shop there, even though, you know, um, I think gnomes and kobolds have like, a specific rival against each other, and he would get like, hate notes on his door, and (laughs) uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then he got us cursed by a hag.
0: I want to point out that that's a great reminder that Even though you you can still have a reoccurring character, you can still have an important and impactful character, and you don't need to track their every thought. Like, yes, sometimes tracking them works out fantastically, and yes, sometimes it's better if you do that and you plan it. And then there's also times when you can just go, yeah, you know that uh, amusing character that just keeps showing up on, you know as comedic relief or as an an annoying little twat for the party then there you go you can just have uh think on your feet or have something written out like hey if the next time the party enters the city this guy is going to be there doesn't really matter about travel times doesn't matter what they're doing until then just you know bend the rules a little bit and have fun yeah, and that's that's how I do a lot of my stuff. Uh, doesn't matter when they arrive there. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, he's just gonna be there waiting. Yes, Michael.
1: So I was thinking while you guys were discussing this about that reoccurring character, and I was thinking, well, there's one question that I haven't answered about the tracking part of things, and is it, and why is why is it that I feel that's important? Why do I do something? Why do I take up my time? Worrying about what some NPC is doing, and I have this strong aversion to Deus Ex Machina where an NPC or some force outside of the PC's control just shows up out of nowhere. And I don't like it to not feel natural, at least in my mind. And so, sometimes I feel motivated by that aversion to create a reason why everybody is set everywhere. But on that point, I do not track everybody. Usually it's like four or five NPCs. The rest of them I will do like you guys are talking about, which is that reoccurring, hey, what would they be doing? I would like to introduce this character again. What would they be doing at that time? So it's kind of a little of both.
0: Which is often what it is, especially when you have so mon- so much information flowing as a gm or even as a pc sometimes yeah and i think i'm less afraid of that so i've had those situations where i've saved them just there was the interaction that you guys had with that uh wind elemental wind yeah it was wind elemental that was like way more powerful than you guys but at the same time i put a beast in a cage that you could befriend that had the ability to send that elemental back to its own plane. And so it gave this out. If you guys were getting your asses kicked, that something could come along and save you from it, Um, which I ended up having to do. Um, And I didn't, I I don't think it bothered me too much, but uh, I do try and avoid those um, all the time. But I think, Sometimes it just um uh, yeah i'm I'm okay with doing it sometimes, but anyway, so uh, I'm gonna pass it over to Michael to give us a wrap up on this episode uh before I talk all day. Do we want to do any shout outs of any kind? This is off the record.
1: Shout out to Jared, who made it this through cool his world. trip.
0: Shout out. <laughs> Hey, I finally got my first vaccination shot lately. Yeah. Yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I got three that I'd like to do. Uh, this talk? is three podcasts that I listen to um, that I thoroughly enjoy and I'd love to have people listen to. Um, first one will be pretty easy because you guys have listened to the episode of Latent Legends. Um, great podcast. Uh, makes me, uh, enjoy 5e just a little bit. Uh, could have been heroes. Uh, we will have, uh, the DM from, uh, the GM from that, Robbie, on in a future episode. Um, and, um, control group, C T R L, like the key on the keyboard, as they would say. Uh, those guys do, each season is just a quick breakdown of, of a game and so they'll do just basically a chapter of material for uh, games and they're all actors uh they're based out of flagstaff and they're fantastic really good at improv and they're really good at a shared narrative so uh you guys got anything was that your shout out yes or was that you informing us of your out? Okay. I was confused for a moment. That's all. You're
1: confused all the time. Um.
0: No. <laughs> I don't got anything, unfortunately. Not with the move and all that. So I haven't been really looking at much. Besides what you guys have sent me.
1: Uh, that's so fucking funny. You're the one that brought this up and you I didn't mean, have actually, a shout out. <laughs> uh,
0: well, because I know Jason forgets things. So I'm trying to be more active and proactive. Okay. Um, come hang out at the Discord. We're trying to talk on there more, but, you know, it's lonely. (laughs) Yeah, we're hoping to have more discussions after the episode. So, jump on the Discord, find it on our website, dot com, and, uh, come over and have a conversation.
1: Michael? Um... I have a lot of podcasts that I listen to at work because I have sometimes some really boring days, so I listen to a variety of things. But two podcasts that I love to listen to are Happy Jacks uh, RPGs. They, They love to talk about any kind of... They are an advice show. Love to talk about any type of game, any style of game. Some of the ideas that I have have matured by listening to what they're talking about. Um, Happy Jacks is uh, actually run by a guy who, uh, they had a renaissance band, and they do a lot of uh, uh, folk music out of California. And I I met him at uh, Gen Con a couple years ago, so I I really feel like uh, they are somebody I would shout out to. And then the second one is another one called uh, Fear the Boot. And they are guys out of uh, St. Louis and they're one of the older podcasts that are out there and they do advice show, but they try to keep it really generic with the type of games that they are talking about. But sometimes uh, they throw in some hints about what they've played in the past. So, you know, Battletech and uh, D&D and... I heard about Blades in the Dark by listening to that podcast. So I really uh, like to shout them out because they got me connected to that game. Otherwise, I would not have ever heard of it. So those are my two shout-outs.
0: All right. So with that, Michael, would you like to give us a wrap-up on the
1: episode? Sure. I would love to. So we covered NPCs and the life that we try to give them through our stories. And sometimes it's the interaction with the PCs, but how do we keep track of the NPCs that are, you know, moving in the background or how uh, PC comes across them? So we discussed that idea. And I feel like what we connected is our three methods of how we, use NPCs and how they are part of our story and how they can come in and out in a reoccurring fashion or how we keep track of them in the background. And I think the interactions between PCs and NPCs can be crucial to your story and how you as a storyteller evolve and use these tools. So going forward, think about the NPCs that you have and how they can become part of your PC's shared narrative. All right. Thank you
0: for that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Go check out some new podcasts and continue to listen to ours. Come on the Discord, and we will have a conversation with you. So uh, thank you, and good night. This has been Jason. This has been Mike.
1: And this is the Ghost of Jared. Bye-bye. This has been a production of 7th Level Bardcast, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at 7 Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show, like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Arthur Vinke.